Hey lady, do you sometimes feel like you've lost yourself? Are you internalizing your feelings and walking around on eggshells either at home or at work? Maybe there is something missing in your life, but you just can't quite figure out what it is. Or even worse, you know what it is, but you feel stuck and you can't move forward. Well, I have been there more often than I care to admit. I spent more than 20 years climbing the corporate ladder only for it to come to an abrupt end during a 10 minute meeting. (laughs) I was so busy climbing that ladder to satisfy one aspect of myself that I neglected to take the time I needed to really focus on how to achieve true balance in every aspect of my life. Hi, I'm Anya Day, and welcome to the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast, where I give women practical tips on how to find their voice through changing their mindset, identifying their passion, and owning their story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, go grab your favorite glass of wine or cup of tea if you're driving, relax, and let's peel away the layers of our complex onion to unleash our authentic voice that the world deserves to hear. Hello, hello, hello. I am Hannah Lynn Wallace, and I am the host of the House Network Podcast. And hi, I'm Anya Day. I'm the host of Find Your Voice and Own It Podcast. And we recently met each other. Well, I guess it really wasn't super recently. It was a little while ago in Jessica Hurley's Podcasting Your Passion Masterclass. And through that class, we connected on this journey through podcasting. We cultivated a relationship. We've communicated throughout the process. And we both recently launched our own popular podcasts. So in the midst of having these conversations with one another and talking to each other about scheduling interviews and just getting organized, we thought, okay, how cool would it be for us to have the opportunity to interview one another? So Anya was coming on my podcast in order for us to have this powerful conversation. And let me tell y'all, it was so powerful that the world has been on our ass. We have had so many technical difficulties (laughs) just to get this podcast episode recorded. We finally are on, we finally got the screens going and we thought, you know what, how cool would it be for us to just Instead of having two separate interviews and instead of each of us going on to the other's podcast, we are kind of going to be asking each other the same questions. We really want to know about each other's experiences. So we're going to give you a two for one. She is going to kind of interview me. I'm kind of going to interview her. We're going to have this awesome organic conversation that we typically have when we're speaking to one another anyways. And we are going to just give you guys all the goods. So without further ado... Anya Day, please introduce yourself to my guests. Yes. So as I mentioned, my name is Anya Day. I'm the host of the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast. I am also a speaker, an author. I am relatively new to this entrepreneurial life, but I'm enjoying it. I consider myself a serial entrepreneur because actually outside of those two things and this world, I actually am running a freight broker business and a trucking business as well. And I also have my home love, and we'll talk more about this later, is has to do with healthcare. And I actually have a business related to healthcare. So Hannah Lynn, tell us about yourself. 
through this. Okay, sorry. My name is Hannah Wallace. As I mentioned, I do have the House Network podcast, which is something that is so near and dear to my heart. I am actually a local realtor in the Tampa Bay area. And that is how I sort of got on this journey of wanting to share my story. I have always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I always knew that I wasn't going to work for somebody else. I say it all the time. I was the worst employee that anybody could have possibly hired. And I always knew that entrepreneurship was something for me. I just had to find a way to navigate through the process. And fortunately for me, I have such a great support system with my husband that he kind of just gave me the opportunity to soar and figure it out. And that's what I've been doing. I became a realtor. I did become pretty successful. I love what I do. And through that journey, a lot of women reached out to me in reference to my process and my journey and becoming an entrepreneur and interested in real estate or home buying. And I started to cultivate and create these relationships with other women who were interested in some of the very same things that I was interested in. And it prompted me to create a safe place for women to gather and converse and cultivate new relationships. And that is how I created the House Network. The House stands for Helping Our Universal Sisterhood Expand. And it is a platform platform that we serve each other, but also serve the community that we come from. So within this network that I've created of women, we began to serve, we began to have relationships, I began to meet these new women and experience their journeys. And I thought I want to bring this to those around me. I want to bring this to so many more levels than I have the opportunity to do on my own. And that's why I thought if I create this podcast with the foundation of our network, I can give these women a voice to share their stories and share their experiences. And while giving them that opportunity, it also is serving and blessing me because I have the opportunity to cultivate relationships with these amazing women like yourself that I wouldn't have otherwise had these conversations with. So that's me in a nutshell. That's the purpose of the House Network podcast. And I'm so thankful that we can just have this conversation with one another. Yes, me too. And I love that the House Network, that you considered it a safe place because a lot of times as women, unfortunately, some women are really judgy of each other Very. and like to put each other, you know, put on a smile in front of them, but then talk about each other and be catty in the background. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be the case. I know a lot of females who don't have females as friends because of that. And they see it as a competition with each other. And it doesn't have to be that we can collaborate and work together in order to accomplish a common goal. I personally haven't had that problem. I was very fortunate in terms of having some really strong friendships growing up. But I know a lot of people where that wasn't the case. And for me, that's why I wanted this so badly because I didn't really have it. I have always had a lot of associates. I've always had some really great friends, but I also had really great relationships with really great women. And unfortunately, those relationships dissolved for one reason or another. And so through my experiences of being the the friend who has all the friends that have groups of friends, but not fitting into that bubble of friends, I was always like the oddball out. And even though nobody made me feel that way, I just was that person because although you and I may be friends and you and I may spend a lot of time together, you also have your own group of friends and they're all Mm -hmm. friendly and they're all tight knit and they all do things together. And then when I come into that environment, yes, they like me and yes, we get along and yes, we have relationships, but 
those aren't the girls that I'm considering to be my close friends, right? And so although I always had these experiences and I always had these relationships, I never really had those like real soulful connections that I craved. And I think a part of that is because I've always just been this person who lives in my own little world. I have a vision and I will do whatever it takes for me to go after what I want and achieve my goal. And not everybody understands my concept of thinking. And so for me, becoming like really walking in my purpose of entrepreneurship opened the door for me to have opportunities with women who see the same visions that I see. And so not that those other women weren't great because they were. And I still, you know, have relationships with some of them to this day and I love them very much. But being able to call somebody who knows exactly what you're going through and they can relate to you and they can give you advice and they can give you opportunity and they can help you understand and explain things that you maybe wouldn't have been able to put into perspective that you're looking for is another kind of comfort that you may not be able to get from your close friend who doesn't understand the experience that you're going through. I have a friend, she's one of my closest friends. I love her to death, but we are in completely different businesses. Our experiences are completely different. So she will ask me how my day is going or how my week is going. And most of the time I give a very surface level answer because as much as I love her and as much as I know she cares, she wouldn't really understand exactly what it is that I'm dealing with. She probably couldn't comfort me in the way in which I need comfort. So I'm not going to waste my time on that conversation when we can talk about something that we really enjoy together. And one of the things I love so much about our relationship is that when she and I are together, we just have so much fun that I don't want to talk about work. I don't want to talk about stressful stuff. I don't want to talk about work. I don't want to talk about my kids. I love my kids, but I just want to hang out. I want to see me and you and we can have girl time and that's it. So creating the house just gave all of these women who all want the same thing, the opportunity to just love on each other in the way that they really need to be loved while also loving on our community. And that's one thing that we are so passionate about. And that's one thing that we work so hard to do is just to make an impact on the community that we come from. And so far, we've done a pretty good job. I love that. And it's so funny because we could have been friends because I'm the same way. So a lot of my friends, you know, most of them aren't, none of them, most of them are not entrepreneurs. They don't have that same desire. They love their jobs or either they love them or they don't love them, but they're completely content in doing what they're doing. And it's completely fine. And I do know that this grind is not made for everybody. I've always had this grind. Like I've had this grind before I thought about having my own business. I used to serve like crazy in church. I had this grind. So it's just something that's always been inside of me. And there were times where there were things that I, you know, sometimes you feel like in terms of the surface answer thing, I would feel like if I went too far in explaining how I really felt, then I'm complaining or Mm -hmm. I'm always the one with some type of problem or challenge that in the end I invited in. Because I was the one who decided that I want to pursue this corporate career and get to this certain level, which obviously comes with a certain amount of stress. And now with the entrepreneurial thing, again, it's, you know, at the end of the day, I could just go get a regular job, but I'm choosing to do this. And I know it's not necessarily the easier path, but it's the path that I'm choosing. And through my various mentorship programs like Insta Podcast and other ones that I've been in over the last couple of years, I have met more women who have similar goals. So they understand some of the concerns and challenges that I go through on a daily basis. And they don't necessarily
necessarily mind me complaining. Not that my friends would mind me complaining. I'm not saying that they do. I love my friends. Like I'm the person who has friends from elementary school and we still talk on a regular basis or we connect on a regular basis. Or even if we don't, we know that if we pick up the phone, it's just like we talked yesterday, even if we didn't talk, you know, two months ago. So yeah, I love that. Well, you know, I'm so glad that you kind of brought us into this because one of the questions that I had specifically for you is that I know you have your master's in business administration. You have your master's in healthcare administration. And I know from our relationship that you came from a very corporate career that was at one point or another really filling your cup and it made you happy. You loved what you did. And although you always had this idea of entrepreneurship, you know, I think through our conversations that we've had with one another, I kind of felt like maybe you had been being, you felt pulled towards entrepreneurship, but you didn't really know why you didn't really know how, and then you wanted it, but you weren't sure because you had this comfort of your corporate position, your corporate salary that you like, that you enjoy. And then you sort of were forced into entrepreneurship. So talk to me about that and talk to me about your transition. I love having this conversations with, or these types of conversations with women who do have corporate backgrounds or have come from corporate careers and moved into entrepreneurship, because that's not something I've ever experienced. Like I said, I was a horrible employee. I had one (laughs) corporate interview, quote unquote, that I should have gone to. And I canceled last minute because I knew it wasn't for me. So I don't know what it's like on the other side. And I love hearing the stories from women who have experienced that sort of transition because I don't know what it's like. Yeah. So I grew up, you know, my parents had jobs. They worked for the phone company, both worked for the phone company, literally all my life. And that's the one job that they had. And that's where they eventually retired from. Fast forward to me, I was of all of my cousins and, you know, my family members, I was the first one to go to college. I decided that I wanted to get my MBA and I wanted to go to law school. That's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like Claire Huxtable (laughs) on the Cosby show. That was my dream. And I wanted to be able to work in that space. Well, at some point in time, I got pregnant and law school probably wasn't the most practical thing, even though I probably could have made it work. I chose not to at that time. And instead, I landed this job at this nonprofit healthcare organization. And I liked it. I did work at a law firm for a year and I didn't really like that. But I wasn't eliminating law school as an opportunity. It was always there in the back of my mind. I never thought healthcare was going to be what I wanted to do. But I just ended up with a great group of people and I loved the team that I work with. And I, after a bunch of no's and a bunch of rejections, really grew in that company. I literally grew up in that organization. So I kind of landed there by accident, but I enjoyed it because in terms of being in the healthcare arena, I felt like I was, even though I wasn't a clinician, I was far removed from a member or patient. I still felt like I was giving back or I was helping to contribute to quality in some kind of way. And I loved that journey. Eventually I did leave the organization that I was there for like almost 20 years. They accredited health plans. And instead I went to an organization that was actually a health plan. And I also enjoyed that. It was a very challenging job because I wasn't used to that side of things, but I enjoyed it. And I had been there, I was going on four years when the company was going through a lot of reorganizations and I knew that they were laying people off and I was just hopeful that I wasn't going to be one of them. But I knew I couldn't take it personal if it happened. And lo and behold, it happened. Like, I still remember the day. 
It was the end of January. So it's been a year, the end of January, 2020. Thank you. It was the end of January, 2020. You know, I had this meeting on my calendar that the handwriting was on the wall. The night before the meeting, I really just couldn't go to sleep. And I heard God speak to me and say, daughter, don't worry. I got you. Why do you think your book isn't done yet? I needed you to have a different ending. And it was like, I got chills instantly. I could feel like the hair on my arms, like stand up. And I just felt this peace like, oh, okay, this is what it's going to be. And so then the next day it really did happen. And my job, my position was eliminated. Several positions in my department were eliminated and it included my own. And initially I just wanted to take time to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And next thing you know, (laughs) COVID hit. So I didn't really have the opportunity to rest like I wanted because then homeschooling became an everyday occurrence that I had to deal with. And I knew to get back to what part of what you said, I knew I wanted to eventually be an entrepreneur. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I planned on writing this book. I hadn't finished the book. I knew I wanted to do a podcast and do some other things, but I really hadn't built um, figured it out, but I also knew I didn't feel like looking for another job. And it, well, I shouldn't say feel like I didn't want to look for another job. I feel like God was providing for me. I could make some significant cutbacks and really make this work and instead make try to really focus my energy on what can I do in order to kind of make this thing work. So fast forward to today and that's what I did. It has not podcast that yes. took quite a while for you to launch. Tell me about that. Yes. So I had the idea that I wanted to do the podcast a year before it actually was released. And I was having self-doubt and negative talk and like, well, what am I going to talk about? Is anybody going to care what I have to say? I actually didn't even like the sound of my voice. I hated the sound of my voice or so I thought. And then I actually did this speaking class. And when I heard the sound of my voice, I was like, oh, I kind of like the sound of my voice. (laughs) So it's so funny how things work out that way. Um, But the reason why it's called Find Your Voice and Own It is that's the name that I came up with for my publishing company when I was going to self-publish my book. And that was a challenge that I had throughout my corporate career and my personal life in terms of just kind of finding myself and finding my own voice. So I wasn't the most popular kid, but I wasn't the worst kid either. So I was kind of somewhere in the middle. I always had friends. I always had long lasting relationships, but there were times where I felt like I couldn't speak up for myself because I was maybe afraid that I would come off the wrong way or that I wouldn't be received well. And I clearly had communication issues with my mom. So part of it was probably brought over from that. I had communication issues with the current relationship that I'm in, in terms of communicating effectively. I was previously married to a person who's the complete opposite of my current husband. So, and I was married to that person for 18 years. So it's been just a shift in terms of just how you deal with people and how you talk to your spouse or talk with or communicate with when you come from, you know, something that's different. And then from a corporate perspective, because I was always the youngest one in the department and I ended up running the department. 
youngest or one of the youngest ones. So, you know, I ended up in a situation where I was told no so long for certain positions. And then once I got to a a management position, it was like, oh, okay, now you want me to be a manager and you want me to manage my friends. I don't know how I can handle that. But I did. It worked out. But there were times where I felt like I was challenged in terms of speaking appropriately or, you know, wearing the right clothes or kind of fitting in and finding my way. I didn't have a proper mentor. And I had, I shouldn't say that because I had plenty of mentors, but there were, you know, you need different mentors for different things. And there was a piece that I didn't receive until (laughs) literally I was walking out the door of that nonprofit organization in terms of just some of the things that as a black woman that I would have to deal with. And as somebody of my age and how I present myself and in terms of really understanding other people's perspective of how people see you versus how you see yourself or how your friends see you. So that's sort of kind of where the find your voice and own it was birth. I didn't even know that story. So that, that's <laughs> interesting to hear. What so, made you decide to do a podcast? Um, I toyed and it's funny because Jessica and I will laugh at this even now. I toyed with the idea of having a podcast for years because I am always that person that people come to for advice and not really just for advice, but like conversation, because I do Mm -hmm. feel like I'm a really good listener and I'm a very honest person. I am like your bluntest friend and that can be really good and that can be really bad. And that's why a lot of people really like me and a lot of people really don't. And (laughs) I, I do say it very often that I don't really have a gray area. I'm black or white. I'm loud. I'm kind of obnoxious. Sometimes I like to have a really good time. I will tell you like it is regardless of whether or not it's going to hurt your feelings because I, it's like an internal struggle that I have with myself. If I'm not being transparent or not being true to my beliefs, because I'm having a conversation with you and you may not agree with me. So over the years, I have been able to tailor that a little bit better because I always had a voice. I always stood up for what I wanted and what I believed in. And in most cases, it got me in trouble. And I was always told like, you be quiet or stay in the child's place, or you don't have a right to say that. Or if you're going to be in my house, you're going to follow my rules and you can't have an opinion and yada, yada, yada. And so because of that, my early adulthood changed very quickly and very abruptly because I wanted to do things my way because I knew that I have a voice. I have a purpose. I have a reason. And I am going to make sure that everybody who tells me I'm not going to be shit understands that I will be shit one day and you're going to have to watch it. I love it. (laughs) But that was my reality at a very young age. So fast forward to me tailoring this sort of personality and this sort of voice and now being more politically correct. Okay. I do consider myself to be a good listener when I'm having conversations with my friends or my friends are looking to me for advice or just like consultation, whatever. And so through that, my husband and I always have like really deep in-depth conversations about things that are happening around us or things that are happening, you know, our climate. And my husband and I were in an interracial relationship. We have biracial children. So those are always conversations that we have too about things that are happening in our world. And then through some of the relationships that I've created with women, we have some really powerful conversations. And so my husband would always say like, you should just have a podcast. You need to have a podcast. Why wouldn't you, why don't you do that? That'd be a great thing for you. You love to talk. You never shut up. You always want to talk. You always want to make friends. Just have a podcast. Like, I don't want to have a podcast. 
podcast. I don't like the sound of my voice. You're right. Who's going to listen to me? Why does anybody want to listen to what I have to say? What am I going to talk about? And so I shut it down. I probably shut it down, I would say for a year. And then when I started going out and sort of beginning this journey of entrepreneurship, it came back up in my brain. And so I reached out to Jessica on several occasions. And I was saying that I am, I'm thinking about doing this, but I don't know where to start or I'm on this journey. And I just want some guidance because I know that I can do it, but I don't really know how I don't know the process. If I did it, I don't know, you know, where I would go with it or what the purpose of it would be. I had so many questions and I was just so confused. And so she and I had several conversations. I never acted on it. She had so many sales. I would message her for the sale and I would never do it. And then when podcasting your passion happened again, I saw it and I was like, you know what? Like maybe it's time. So I had a conversation with my husband. He said, whatever you want to do, I'll support it. If that's what you want to do, do it. So I ended up just buying it right there. And again, in the midst of me buying it and trying to get into that course, you know, it was like I was completely blocked from it. And I wasn't blocked by anybody for the fault of anyone. It was just technology. I always had a problem getting on the Zooms. I wasn't receiving any of the emails. It was like, I knew that I needed to do this because if I didn't do it, it wouldn't get done. And everything was getting in my way of executing. Even when it came down to buying my microphone, I found the mic online. I bought it online. I thought, okay, good. Finally, I found the mic. We're going to be able to do this. Within 24 hours, I got an email that the mic was out of stock and that Target was going to be refunding my money and it wouldn't be shipped. So sure enough, I got my money back. I still didn't have a mic. So then I had to go find another mic. And at that point, no mics were available anywhere. I ended up finding a mic like two hours away from me at in a Target. Crazy. (laughs) And so I bought it for like a pickup order. And I drove like two hours away to go get the mic and then drove back home. So it was like everything was, I will say the enemy was out to get me. Like everything was getting in my way of me being able to execute. And through that, I knew that like this was going to be a powerful platform. And it was a conversation that I was going to have to have. And I still have conversations with myself that like prep me for my interviews or prep me for having conversations with the microphone where I will know that I need to talk about something and I just I won't have the balls to do it. And I have to convince myself that it's a safe place for me to have this conversation. And there have been so many topics that I discuss on my platform where I had to have a conversation like that with myself. And through this process of podcasting, I will say that not so much that I have created a lot of new relationships with listeners. However, I have been able to engage relationships or engage more in relationships with people who were already following my platforms or people who who did begin listening to me or even people that I know like in my everyday life that never would have expected me to do something like this. And Mm -hmm. every single time I release an episode and question myself, I get reassurance. There have been so many people who reached out to me and told me that I am making a difference in their life by just talking about some of these things because they are things that they're experiencing. I have had people talk, like reach out to me and tell me that these conversations that I had with some of these women were absolutely powerful and they got so much from these conversations. And so that is what drives this. And I still struggle daily with like my time management and being able to get my podcast done in time and managing my business and my kids and my husband. And it's hard. And you and I both know this is something that we do because we love it, not because right. it's a huge reward at the end of the tunnel. 
this is an opportunity for us to create a platform to create and grow relationships, not only with other women like us or other business owners, but our listeners, because they have stories too. They are going through things just like we are. And in today's climate where it's, you're doing everything through a screen, you have a harder time creating and cultivating new relationships with people because you don't have that opportunity to really see them or touch them or feel their energy you have to work 10 times harder to build relationships in today's climate than I think you did even five years ago. And so having this podcast, although it was one of the toughest things I've ever done because I'm such a self-doubter, I have that imposter syndrome. It was one of the most difficult things I probably have ever done. It was definitely one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done. And I know that it's going to become so much bigger than what it is because of the women I continue to create these relationships with. I would agree with that a hundred percent. Like it, that's what fuels me every week is the fact that I'm showing up not just for myself, but for other people. And I love the idea of how it's just a safe place. There are so many things that I've had challenges talking about, but when I'm in this room by myself and it's just me and this mic, then I can kind of just let it all out. So part of it is therapeutic, but a part of it is I'm not doing it to help myself. I'm doing it to help somebody else. Like that's the piece that drives me. I'm a server. I love to serve. And to me, it's like, okay, well, if I'm feeling this way, then I know that there are others that are feeling this way. And I just want to be like, their girlfriend that they can't necessarily talk to who, you know, I've even said, hey, hit me in my DMs if you really do need to have a deeper conversation about something. Because so many times as for me, and not that my friends would think that I was a burden, but I don't necessarily want to be that burden or be that person who already had, I always have issues. I have dramas, drama, major drama. Like if a camera followed me around my life, (laughs) I would be rich from that reality TV show. And I know that and not everything can be put out there, but I love just the freeness that I feel like you have a podcast, you own your shit, period. I don't have to worry about Instagram and algorithms, Facebook and algorithms, nobody's algorithms. If people, if they find me, then they're guaranteed to get me every week as opposed to just 5% of what it is that I have to say. And I love that concept. I love it. Like that's one of the things that pushes me. I appreciate that. I would have to agree with that. So since we're kind of just having this organic conversation with one another, I want to talk about vulnerability because I did a podcast about vulnerability and you did a podcast about vulnerability. So talk to me about your take on vulnerability and why it's so important to be vulnerable in relationships with other people. So Brene Brown is uh-huh. like um, my auntie sure. who, who <laughs> I have never met. Mm-hmm. And I just stumbled across her years ago on accident. And I just was like, wow, it was the first time that I knew somebody who kind of talked about something just so raw. So like, I love Oprah. So like, I just like a huge Oprah fan. I would love to meet Oprah, but even Oprah didn't necessarily talk about kind of that in that way. So to me, being vulnerable is not necessarily just bearing your soul and sharing your soul, but being open to the possibilities of what's out there and 
not just for yourself, but for others, understanding other people's perspective, being courageous. My episode this week coming up actually is about courage and how, you know, it's not forgetting about the fact that fear exists, but it's being courageous in spite of the fact that, yes, you're scared to do it. It's not easy for me, and I'm sure it's not easy for you to get behind this mic. Like you said, there are things that I want to talk about that I haven't necessarily talked about. And it's like I have to give myself a pep talk before I do it, exactly like you said. And to me, being vulnerable is just showing up for yourself. It's for a moment, really forgetting about what, how you're going to be judged or how you think you're going to be judged and just being your true authentic self, whatever that means to you. Not what your parents expect you to be, not what your friends expect you to be, hell, not even what your husband expects you to be, but what Anya Day is, what Hannah is, like what we are deep inside and how we want to show up just how we are and knowing that you know, it's different environments. You know, I know you didn't go into corporate America because that just wasn't for you. And, you know, when you go in corporate America, you have to show up a certain way. And I'm not saying that I would never do it. I mean, I hope I never have to do it again, (laughs) but I learned a lot from those experiences and I would not take it away. Like, I love the fact that I went through those experiences, but I'm not saying being vulnerable and being authentic means that you don't act a certain way at work versus you do at home. Cause you do, you're going to be different, but it's just something about just kind of being yourself and allowing that true transparent self to come off. And for the sake of not offending people, but for just being you. So that's sort of my take on it. What about you? So I love that concept. But one thing I want to take away from that is, you know, the biggest component of what you said is that vulnerability is giving yourself the opportunity to show up for yourself. I think that being vulnerable and the power of vulnerability is giving other people the opportunity to show up for you. Because for me, I've never been afraid to be myself. And I've never really been afraid to give myself to other people because I'm just a natural giver. Where I did have that wall and where I did struggle was I was always fearful that people wouldn't show up for me. So I wasn't vulnerable enough with them to give them the opportunity. And I would push people away that I love. And I was never able to make that correlation until I had a conversation with my husband, who was just my boyfriend at the time. And he really helped me to understand why he was so resistant to my love for him. And it was because of that fear of being hurt, that fear of losing somebody that you love or the fear of losing somebody that loves you so deeply. When you're dealing with somebody who has trauma, whether it's a friendship, a relationship, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a best friend, whatever it is, you're an individual who has trauma. You're cultivating a relationship with another individual who has trauma. If neither one of you are able to identify what those traumas are, then you will have a wall up that doesn't give you the opportunity to love them in the way in which they not only deserve to be loved, but need to be loved. So I think being vulnerable is so important and it does take courage and it does take work and it is a scary thing, but you have to give other people the opportunity to show up for you. And you have to be open to that because what you put out into the world, in most cases you get in return. So if I say every day, he doesn't love me, 
he, he's not going to be there for me. He's not going to show up for me if I need him to. He's not going to buy me that. He's not going to do this for me. He's not going to take me to dinner. He's not going to take me on a date. Or she's just talking behind my back. She's not really my friend. She doesn't care about me. She can't be there for me when I need her. If those are the ways that you look at your significant others or the ways that you look at your friends, then A, that's probably not somebody that you should be with or not somebody who you should be cultivating a relationship with or friendship with. But you have to look deep within yourself and think why you feel like that's how they are. That's what you're going to get from them. And sometimes that's an internal thing. Sometimes we don't feel like we're worthy of being loved or being accepted. And that's one thing that Brene Brown said, you know, somebody who is just completely open to the idea of vulnerability understands that they are worthy of love and acceptance. They are worthy of good things. They are worthy of whatever it is that they put out into the universe and expect to get back. So you have to be open to the idea of loving somebody else being vulnerable with them, but also giving them the opportunity to be vulnerable with you, but to love you in the way in which you deserve to be loved. And those are things that really give relationships the opportunity to flourish. And that is so true because a lot of times, I know for me personally, I spent my life with a wall up and around myself because I didn't want to give anybody the opportunity to hurt me. Like, mm-mm, no, I will do the hurting if anybody. <laughs> going to be hurt. Not that I wanted to intentionally hurt somebody, but you're right. You end up with this wall around and you don't necessarily, I mean, there were always people who I did welcome to be in that kind of space, but they were generally people who I had known all my life. But then there were also people who I knew all my life who I wouldn't let in like that because I felt like I needed to be the strong one. Like, I'm going to say something on here I probably shouldn't say, but mm, she probably not going to hear it anyway. So I have two sisters, right? I'm the oldest. And my youngest sister and I are really close because she's also like my kid, if that makes sense. Because we're like, I don't remember how many years apart we are. I have to really think about it. Eight, nine years apart. I don't remember. And we're really close. So we've always had a good relationship. And I have a good relationship with my middle sister too. It's interesting. We're closer in age, but we're not as close with each other. And I think it's because because we were three or four years apart, like when she was entering high school, I was leaving to go to college. We actually ended up in the same college, but I was a senior literally on my way out and she was a freshman. So we had that year together. And then when I came home, I left, like I immediately got married and I left my, so by the time she then came back home, we never lived together again. So when I really started thinking about my relationship with this particular sister, I realized that we haven't kind of spent that quality, the same qualities time that my baby sister and I have. And I had to check myself one day, like, it's okay to talk to her. She, then she moved up across the country and she actually recently moved back and we were able to spend more time together. And I'm very appreciative of that because I realized I kind of had this wall up with her. Part of it is because it's like, okay, I'm the big sister. I have to be the strong one and I have to just receive from her and not let her see my vulnerabilities. But I had to check myself and be like, okay, well, no, she's an adult too. And that's the same way with other relationships. It's like I wanted to help people so much that I wasn't necessarily receiving of help. I wasn't necessarily open to saying 
that I needed help or it was almost like, am I showing weakness? And I know, I now know that no, being vulnerable does not mean that you're weak. That's not what it means. In fact, you're strong because you're doing something to cultivate this relationship or whatever that situation is. So I'm so glad you touched on that piece because I know, I mean, even in my personal relationships, having walls up because of just how I was raised and different things that I went through with different relationships. It's always been difficult for me just to be myself and just to kind of let loose and let free. And if something happens, that wall comes back up. And I'll be like, oh, you won't get another opportunity to disappoint me because I'm just going to put the wall up. And yes, I may be hurt, but every time I get hurt, then the wall just gets goes up higher, higher, higher to eventually to the fact to the point where I just feel broken and feel like, okay, this isn't a very productive relationship if you can't just be yourself. So, And if you can talk about what is breaking you or what is bothering you or what is hurting you, and that's another component of vulnerability that's so important is just the level of communication and the opportunity to listen to one another because you should always create relationships that are a safe place for you to communicate your feelings with whomever it is that you're dealing with, because feelings are so important and people like to just bypass their feelings or, you know, act as if their feelings are not valid or your feelings are not valid because I don't feel the same way. And that's not a legitimate concept. You are different from me. I am different from you. We come from two different backgrounds. We were raised two different ways. We look very, very different in the way that you feel. I may not be able to understand, but the way that I feel, you may not be able to understand. That doesn't mean that your feelings aren't valid and doesn't mean that my feelings aren't valid. It just means that we have to have a better line of communication to help each other understand why we're feeling that way and then how to recover from those feelings. But there are too many situations and too many relationships where people's feelings are not validated. And that is where relationships can really begin to dissolve because of course you want to feel validated by the person that you love, but you also want them to understand why you're feeling that way so that they don't make you feel that way again. And that goes for friendships or relationships. It doesn't matter. You can be in a situation with your very best friend who hurts you to your core. And if you can't have an open conversation with them about why they hurt you so badly, then maybe that's not a friendship that you need to continue to pursue. So I'm so glad that we got into that. And one thing that you said in your conversation about vulnerability was you were giving so much of yourself that you eventually realized you weren't really getting back what you desired or deserved. So in one podcast episode that you did, you talked about boundaries. And one thing that you said, like slapped me right in my face. And it was about the importance of setting battery or setting boundaries, because if you don't, you're going to run your own batteries dry. You're going to run out of power because you're working so hard to serve others. You're not serving yourself. So give me that in short, talk to me about that episode and about really setting boundaries for yourself, because that's something that to this day, I still work diligently on. It's just trying to create boundaries. My husband gets so upset with me every day because I am like, Oh, I can do it. I'll do it. I'll take care of it. I can do, I can do everything. I can do everything. I'm like, I fly by the seat of my pants. It's chaos all the time. And it's because I just feel like I should be able to do everything for everyone. And there's no reason why I can't. 
You can, but you will get tired and burn out. And that's what happened to me. So I was at a point in my life where I had was relatively high on the corporate ladder at the organization that I was working with. I was serving beyond belief at church. I mean, like, so my husband at the time, he attended church, but he wasn't necessarily a server. He wasn't involved in any of the different areas of ministry like I was. I was very active in the youth department. I literally was the youth pastor's assistant, but I also ran my own department or own area of ministry within the youth department where I was in charge of providing curriculum to the church. I was at church on Sundays. I was at church on Tuesdays because then I I actually have, you probably don't know this either. I actually am a licensed minister. I went to school to be a minister amidst all of these other things that I was doing. That was another degree that I attain, not just to get a degree, but because like I said, I just had a heart to serve and it was something that I wanted to do. And so I would go to school on Tuesdays at the church. I would go back to school on, I mean, go back to the church on Wednesdays to go to Bible school, Bible study. I was at church three times a week and I lived 45 minutes away from the church. So at the end of the day, one day when I've really stepped back and at the time my marriage was crumbling, I really had to take ownership of the role that I played in a situation in terms of I'm showing up for everybody else, but am I showing up for my kids? Am I showing up for my husband? I was that yes person. I was at work. I always said yes, because again, I was younger and I considered it a like that I was lucky that I got this job. So if they asked me to do something, then I need to do it. And then at church, like I said, you know, I just, I did all these other things at church as well. And one day I just was like, where am I in all of this? Where am I allowed to just say, hey, wait, I can't do this anymore. And really learn that, okay, no, it's okay for me to say no. No is a complete sentence. I don't necessarily have to explain myself. And if you go back to, I love to use this analogy. When you're on, I used to travel a lot for my job. So when you're on the airplane, when they go through their spiel and the flight attendant goes through their little thing in the beginning, she tells you that, you know, hey, if you're with somebody, you're with a young child or whatever, you have to put your little oxygen mask on first before you put that baby's on. And although it may be intuitive to go towards your two-year-old and put that on first, at the end of the day, you can't save her if you can't breathe. And being on living on planes for so many years kind of really stuck in my head in terms of just boundaries. It's sometimes it's the simple things. My mom had this like simple rule of don't call her house before after 10 o'clock in the morning and after 10 o'clock at night. It's like the little things that really make a difference. Like I get irritated if my kids come to my room without knocking because you don't know what mommy and daddy are in here doing. Like, and it may sound like such a little thing, but I'm trying to instill in them boundaries and respecting other people's time and respecting other people's space. And that is really important. And at some point, like I got a lot of things from my mom in terms of she just has this heart to give and a heart to serve. And she never says no. Like 
She never says no. And so many times people say, you're just like your mom. And although I love my mom dearly, I don't want to go to that extreme. Like I see the negative consequences it can have with my, in terms of my, I mean, my parents are still together, but that it can have consequences to it. There's consequences to every action. And I don't necessarily want to go that far. And although my husband would say, you're just like your mother and you do too much, I do try to kind of put boundaries around my time and my space and my life in order to really just organize it and to keep going forward because I can't function when there's things that are just disorderly. And I don't like other people dictating my time. And to me, when you don't have boundaries up that are good for you and you don't communicate those boundaries, then you're giving somebody else control and I don't want anybody else having control over my life. Like that's literally the way I think about it is that, oh no, you're not going to control my life. I'm going to decide when I'm going to do this, how I'm going to do it and how I'm going to get it done and how I'm going to show up for you. And you respect my boundaries. I respect yours. (laughs) That's what I'm working on. I'm working on it. And I've had to have some very serious conversations with people that I love because although I don't do it intentionally, I do know that I do it. And I talked about it in another episode where my daughter said, you work too much. Mommy, why are you always working? You have to work. Why do you have to work? And I noticed that through that conversation, she at five is identifying me prioritizing work over everything else. And my husband and I had a conversation one day where he said, like, you're here, but you're not actually present. You're doing too many things at too many different times. And I know that you are a business owner and a mom and an entrepreneur and you have all of these people that are pulling you in every different direction, but you're still my wife. And I still need you to be present right here, right now. And so I have been making more of an effort, still not doing as good of a job as I could be. I'm working on it, but I have been making a lot more of an effort just to be present. I found myself like when my daughter goes to gymnastics class, I sit outside the window so I can see, but I'm still working. So I'm working and I'm not watching and she'll look to the window and look for me to like tell her she's Mm. doing a job or clap my hands or blow her a kiss or something. And she's noticing me not noticing her. And so I had to stop and I had to take a moment to just identify, yes, I'm working. Yes, I love to work, but I can take an hour out of my day to just focus on watching her in gymnastics class to make sure that she is getting out of it what she needs to get out of it. And she's putting into it what she needs to put into it. And it's something that can seem so small or it can seem so minuscule on such a big level. It's actually something that is so important because at 30 or almost 30, I can identify that I have a need for external validation. Do I want to instill in my five-year-old that she also has a need for external validation and me not validating her at five is okay. So then when she's 30, she can think it's okay to not be validated. No, if you need to be validated by somebody that you love, that's something that you have to deal with internally and that's fine, but you have to be able to vocalize to the person that you love that that's one of your needs. And it's not acceptable for them to not be able to love you in the way in which you deserve to be loved. So I have to make sure that I correct everything I see in my daughter from myself so that she doesn't grow up and have the same issues that I've been battling over the years. And that's where like my mind goes right into boundaries. It just really becomes about my family because I prioritize work so much. I love what I do and I give my best to my clients and they know that and they appreciate that. But there are times where I just have to take a breath and give myself to my family in the way in which they deserve for me to give myself to them. Does your husband do a tra- have a traditional nine to five job? So hmm, 
Uh, it's funny that you asked that question because my husband, he has had a traditional nine to five job. Well, not really nine to five, but a traditional like corporate career for a long time. He never really understood my concept of never wanting to work for anybody. He always told me that I need to find something that's recession proof or that I'm going to get a good job. And it was always him trying to guide me in the direction of doing the right thing the right way. And it's funny because he doesn't come from a traditional background where his parents were together. They both had like good jobs. He has a very traumatic childhood that he experienced. And for me, like my parents, they're still married 35 years later. They both had very corporate positions for a very long time. My mom retired from the school system. My dad gets a pension from the city of Clearwater. Like I grew up in this very normal environment and I always knew that I couldn't be kept in a box. And so although I would try to get him to understand that for so long, he didn't. And fortunately, he never tried to stop me from pursuing Whatever it is that I wanted to pursue, he always supported me in my decisions financially, even when I wasn't making any money, but he still encouraged me to do things the right way. And I did try at one point or another. Some people know I did a stint in nursing school. I have a heart for people. I am a very compassionate person. Being in that environment really helped me to identify that I have a heart for healthcare, but it's not for me. Like being in a controlled environment is not for me. And nursing school was not for me because I was being so controlled and I had no say so in anything. And it wasn't so much like the academics or the patients or the clinicals, like all that was fine. But when I walk into campus and I get yelled at because of my nose ring or you can see the tattoo on my hand, then I have a problem. Or I had to take all my earrings out. I couldn't wear my necklace. I couldn't wear my wedding ring. Like I'm not, a, I don't do well with those sort of things. So that was a very short stint for me to see the week. <laughs> and my husband, he did, he always knew that I had this idea of entrepreneurship, but he never really saw that for himself. He always, not always, but for a long time, just felt like he was going to have to do what he had to do. And then a couple of years ago, he really got into wanting to invest in real estate. And that's sort of how I got started in my real estate career. I was falling in love with real estate and building wealth through real estate. And his grandfather had a lot of properties in the area that we currently live many, many years ago. And so he felt like that was like in his blood, right? And so for several years, he worked his corporate job and did this real estate thing on the side. And then when COVID happened, I was home by myself with the kids. I pretty early on, like figured out that I had postpartum, not so much because I figured out, but because he was like, yo, like we need to figure out what's wrong with you because something isn't right. And so we were able to identify that I did have postpartum, but I wasn't really sure how to deal with it. And I needed some help. And it got to the point where I was completely losing it. And I said to my husband, listen, I need you to come home. I can't do this by myself anymore. Me and the kids at home all day long, every single day, I need you to come home. And so he took some time off of work to just prioritize me and helping me with both of our kids while the schools were closed and we couldn't go anywhere. We were just stuck in the house. I think we were, we were home and didn't leave our house, I would say for a minimum of like a month and a half where we never left because wow. we couldn't. And it became very difficult for me. And so he took some time off of work to be able to support me through that. And then he ended up sitting me down one day and saying, I don't think I want to go back to work. 
And I said, okay, so what are you thinking? And he said, I, I want to be here with you. I want to be able to support you and, and support, you know, the kids. But I really think that this is my time to begin, like really, really focus on my entrepreneurial journey. And I was like, okay, bet. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, okay, that's what you want to do. Do it. Good. Are you okay with that? I'm like, yeah, well, okay, well, you know, we're going to have to figure out this. We're going to have to figure out this. We had insurance through his corporate job, his retirement through his corporate job. We had all that. And like, so at the end of the day, we've been together. July will be our 12 year anniversary of this relationship. And I have never had a stable corporate career. There were times where I had no job. There were times where I was a bartender. There were times where I, I was a manager somewhere, but I didn't have like a 401k or an IRA or benefits or anything. Like I just had these jobs that yeah. I could to get me by. So I never supplied you with any sort of security. I never supplied you with any sort of consistency. So who am I to require you to continue to supply me with consistency and security and completely disregard how you feel about the way that you see yourself in five years or the way that you see yourself on this entrepreneurial journey. I would be a horrible person if I said, no, you can't leave your job. Did we have to really sit down and evaluate our finances? Absolutely. Did we have to sit down and evaluate how, how much everything was going to cost us just in reference to healthcare? Absolutely. Did we have to identify how this is going to impact our mental health? Of course we did. But as a couple, we were able to have that conversation and make the best and most informed decision for our relationship. So I know that was a very long drawn out answer to whether or not he works a corporate job or has this corporate career. But I do think it's very important that we identify whether male or female in a relationship, you have to be and do whatever it is that your spouse needs from you. And you have to be able to communicate that effectively and through our relationship and through this experience, I would have been wrong to tell him that he can't begin a journey that he feels like is necessary for him to begin just so that I could continue to be comfortable. That's not fair. I don't provide him any level of comfort in reference to my career. I can go months without a paycheck because of the job that I have. I had a closing that was supposed to happen on the 19th of this month and I just sent a cancellation for it. You know, that's a part, of, that's something I signed up for. And him being in a relationship with me, he signed up for it. Well, he really didn't sign up for it. He just kind of got stuck with it. He just kind of um, got stuck with it. Exactly. So, <laughs> so no, he does not currently have a corporate position. He is navigating entrepreneurship just like I am. And so it's very interesting in our house every single day with two little babies. That is so, I'm so glad you shared that because, so for my situation, I, my husband also came from a very traumatic background. He's never been a traditional guy. He doesn't do corporate America. I mean, the closest thing he came to corporate was he was like a manager of a local grocery store um, some years back and they've since gone out of business and he doesn't do that anymore. And he's kind of been, you know, he had this dream. He wanted to build these businesses with me and do this and do that. That was always his dream. So his dream was always for me to own and run businesses with him. That was always his dream. But I liked my corporate job and I really liked my corporate check and my benefits and the things that went along with that because unfortunately I also have amassed a certain amount of debt that needs to be taken care of before I could just be like, oh no, I'm not going to work anymore. But when I was, I've since been forced 
to kind of do this. And I've just made a conscious decision, at least for now, to kind of really give this my all. But it's so funny because he would always say, I worked from home for the last five years, at least, even before leaving that last job, because my job was based in Chicago, but I live in the DC area. So I've always been home. He'd be like, you're always on that daggone computer. If that computer had a penis, then you would have no use for me and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, this computer affords us a certain lifestyle that we have both become accustomed to. So you can say what you want to about my computer, but for right now, it's going to stay. So, you know, we would have those conversations and those debates back and forth. And then once I was home, you know, he was happy that I was home, but every now and then he'd be like, oh, so you going to go look for another job? (laughs) So it's so funny how like he kind of flipped the script and now forward to what he was doing a home improvement business. And he's like, I'm getting tired. I'm getting older. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that grind. I just kind of want to show up. So ironic that now he's actually trying to get a regular job because he's like, I don't know that I want the hustle and bustle, but I want to contribute to our household. So he's trying to go down that road in terms of getting a traditional job, which he has not done since literally since we've been back together. My husband is actually my, that's a whole nother story, but he's my boyfriend from when I was 12. So, and we got back together after a long time. So anyway, so it's so funny how kind of things reverse, but it is, I want to touch on what you said in terms of, you know, you sign up for it, but you don't sign up for it. You don't realize how it's a big difference from not having the security of just even contributing to social security. So if you've never worked a corporate job, that means you're not going to get the social security check when you get to a certain age. So after you finish or while you're building your business, at some point, you're going to have to like put money to the side to save for retirement. It's like those little things that I don't think people necessarily understand. Like if we don't show up, you and I show up for our careers that we have now decided we want to pursue, we don't get paid, period. There is no sick leave. There is no, you know, Starbucks, they don't put signs on their door saying the baby is sick. I can't work today. Like, I'm not saying that we don't make those accommodations and we don't work them out, but we have to put structures and systems in place in order to do it. It is a daily grind and not everybody should do it. Not everybody is built to do it and not everybody can sustain it. So, you know, I'm believing God that you and I are going to be able to sustain it long term and we're going to be successful and we're going to be impacting, you know, generations to come and teach our kids really about kind of having your own and generational wealth and whatever they choose to do is what they choose to do. But it's a daily struggle. I mean, the last couple of weeks for me in particular have been challenging. And I think it's because it was almost like imposter syndrome. It's like, okay, my podcast is out finally out there. I'm doing good. I'm getting good feedback. But then God was kind of telling me to kind of do something else and add to my plate and kind of go to the next level. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I I have my hands full because I'm doing so many different things. And I know that I'm stretched thin. And I do know that I do have to kind of seek wisdom about what my priorities are supposed to be. But I also have to listen to my own advice and kind of be okay and courageous and kind of put myself out there. But it's a grind. Like, I know you understand. So (laughs) like some people just wouldn't believe, like you just, you have to show up. You have to do things. I mean, I find myself like sneaking to do things 
when they're asleep or when they're not paying attention. Like that's how I, that's another way I put the boundaries up. So I might not necessarily do things, you know, during dinner time or during a certain time, depending on the day. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But like today, when I'm finished with you, I've already decided I'm not cooking dinner. I'm going to go down the street and get some ribs from the rib shack because I got some more stuff I need to do. (laughs) And how I felt yesterday. I have been so overwhelmed over the course of the last couple of weeks. Like you wouldn't believe. And I remember being in my office like two weeks ago, my face was like bright red. I had like hives on my neck and I was borderline in tears. And I had my hands over my eyes and my husband had just picked my daughter up from, and she came in the office to see me. And she saw me like that. And she just started rubbing my back and telling me it's okay, mommy, it's going to be okay, mommy. And my husband said, mommy's stressed. Give mommy some love. And she just gave me a hug and told me like everything was going to be okay. But I have been so overwhelmed that yesterday I still had a busy day. I was supposed to not have a busy day at all, but I still had a busy day, but I had my house cleaned. I got some things organized and I ran some errands I needed to run. And I called my husband. I said, listen, I'm not cooking dinner in my clean kitchen. These are your two options. Take what you want to eat and we're going to go get it. And my kitchen is going to stay clean and I'm going to get the rest of my work done. And then I'm going to go to bed at a reasonable hour and that's it. But I've never done that before because I, and even, even in the midst of doing that, I still suffer from that guilt of you should be able to do everything. And I literally yesterday said to my husband, do you think I'm a bad wife? Because I can't keep the house clean how I used to keep it clean. Do you think that I am a bad wife because I cannot manage the things that I used to be able to manage in the midst of building these businesses the way that I am. He's like, Hannah, are you crazy? I'm like, no, I really feel that way. Do you have any idea what it took for me to be like, just call, just ask if she can clean the house because I can't take it anymore. Going from like working to and working and having one child to now working crazy and having two children. And then my husband and, and I are always home. So we're nobody's ever not home. And if I'm not home, everything that needs to be done is not getting done. So of course, I feel this immense amount of guilt. Like I'm not doing what I should be doing and I'm not showing up for my family in the way in which I need to show up. But I have to transition my mindset to understand that's where leverage comes in. You're not a bad mom or a bad wife or a bad significant other or a bad homemaker because you are more suited to pay somebody to clean your house than you are to do it on your own. You just need to leverage your resources so that you can spend more time with your kids and you can spend more time with your husband. And you can do so in a clean environment because when you're in a clean environment, you feel all happy and warm and fuzzy inside. And you're so much more productive. Like my husband has walked in and has caught me vacuuming. And he was like, I thought you said you had stuff to do. I do, but- I can't do certain things if the environment around me looks a certain way. So to a certain degree, I have to tidy up the space. It's like the craziest thing. It's like, actually, even even like if I do have the, we we used to have somebody come clean our house and we don't have it done as consistently, of course, because of the money situation. But (laughs) I make my kids, I'm like, in order to clean the floor, they have the cleaning lady has to see the floor. So you still need to pick up your stuff so she gets your stuff out of the way. But I am really OCD when it comes to stuff like that. I can't, I'm not productive if everything around me is like looking crazy. So I wanted those ribs last night, but I waited too late. I waited until 10 minutes to seven and I thought 
oh, they close at eight because that's what it said on Google. But when I called yesterday, she said they close at seven. So when I'm done with you, I'm not going to wait till six o'clock. I'm not going to give her no time to run out of ribs. I'm going to go down the street. I'm going to get some ribs and some chicken. And that's what they're going to eat. And then I'll have the rest of the evening to do what I needed. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, on that note, I'm so thankful that we were able to do this. I think it worked out beautifully. I love our relationship and our organic conversations. And for my listeners, please tell them how they can find you, where they can find you, tell them how to get a hold of your podcast. And then very lastly, but most certainly not least, you have a book that you need to finish. It is called No Today Does Not Mean No Tomorrow. And I would be unfulfilled if I did not ask you to touch on that briefly. Okay. So let's touch on that first. So brief, very, very briefly. Um, I started the book and I just never got it done. You know, I attended this class where in theory you could finish your book in 30 to 60 days because you walk you write 2,500 words a day. That was not me. Like my brain just doesn't work that way. Like it just doesn't work that way. So I wasn't able to get it done. Fast forward to me getting laid off again. I felt like somehow the book needed to be changed or altered a little. Like some of it I did kind of keep the way it was going to be originally, but it's about overcoming your obstacles and getting past those people that rejection, whether it's personal or professional in order to succeed in life. Like that's the whole concept of the book. Ironically, the no today does not mean no tomorrow. I'm going to use that. I'm going to continue to use that as my title um, because even though my book isn't done yet, I've committed to myself. My goal is to get it done by June. So that's my goal. So if I can get my, my, my manuscript done into the editor by the end of March, then I should be able to, to meet that deadline. So I am still planning on doing it. I'm just trying to kind of juggle all of these different things and see if I need to change any of it. But I was like, Dana, just finish the book. Like just, it's like, I'm making it, trying to make it a perfection thing and it doesn't need to be. And a part of it was like, my heart wasn't in it anymore, but I feel like it can still be a blessing to people because a lot of people do suffer from getting told no and rejection and not really knowing how to kind of move past it. So I am going to still get that project out. So thank you for asking me about accountable. I can't wait for that because I have been one through this journey that has to identify that being told no is not a direct attack on me. Just because somebody is telling me no doesn't mean that I've done something or I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. It's just no. It's no for whatever reason. And if I care that much, then I can learn to identify why. But I had to start understanding. And that was one of the 28 things I learned in my 28 years of life last year that no is not a direct attack on me. It's just no. Right. Exactly. And I, it took me a while to get to that point to not take it personal, but now it just kind of rolls off my back, especially because I've also taken that same posture. Like sometimes I just have to tell people, no, no, just no. Um, in terms of how your listeners can follow me. So I'm on Instagram, primarily Instagram is like my jam. Like that's where I show up or I try to show up consistently. I have not been good the last couple of weeks, but I'm I'm going back to it. Like this is my week. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of it. It's all the same handle. handle. It's it's I-T-S, Anya Day, A-N-Y-A, I-T-S, A-N-Y-A-D-A-Y. It's Anya Day. And I also have, my website is findyourvoiceandownit.com. 
And my podcast is available on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, all those other places, I guess, where they Google podcasts, where they have podcasts. And can you do the same, please? Because this isn't just about, you know, we, of course, we want you to enjoy this organic conversation that we've had today, but we also want you to go back and listen to Hannah's had some really good episodes. We actually released the same, did we release the same week? I think we released the same week. Yeah. Or within the week. I think it was the same week. Just different days. So we've been on like the same grind together this whole time. But it's been good. So yes, Yes. to catch up with me, you can find me on Instagram. It's my preferred method of contact. I am Hannah Lynn, your realtor underscore. I also have a website where you can learn more about me and the house network. And it is Hannah Lynn, your realtor.com. My podcast is the house network podcast. And I release my episodes every Friday and every other Tuesday. On Tuesday, you will get a Realtor Talk Tuesday where I go into all things real estate, whether it's related to buying, selling, holding, building generational wealth through real estate, being an agent, this entrepreneurial journey in real estate. Those are a lot of the things that we discuss on our Realtor Talk Tuesday. So that is how you can find and catch up with me. Sounds good. I'm so excited. I'm glad we did it this way. I'm so even though even though we didn't plan it, it worked I out. It. I hope you enjoyed it. Yes. And I think our listeners will enjoy each other. So well, this thank is you great. for joining us. And we will see you on the next episode. Yes. Thank you for joining the Find Your Voice and Own It podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review because I welcome and value your feedback. You can also tag me in your stories at It's On Your Day so I can personally connect with you and know who is in my tribe. I am looking forward to continuing to work with you to write your own story. Until next time, grace and peace.